Welcome to the Short Term Show, the show about short term rentals and long term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. Good morning out there, all you short-term shoppers. It's Avery Carl, and I wanted to give you guys a quick reminder about something that I don't think I've done a good enough job of keeping you aware of. So I get a lot of emails from y'all every week, and I love getting emails from you, by the way. I love talking to our listeners, and a lot of them are asking for real estate agent recommendations in different markets, and what I don't think I've done a good job of is making sure that you guys are aware that the short-term show is actually a subsidiary of the short-term shop, which is the largest short-term rental specific real estate team brokered by eXp. I have to say that or I get in trouble in the country. So we have offices in 12 of the top short-term rental markets in the country, and we are here to help you purchase your first, second, third, or 10th short-term rental. And if you buy with us in any of those markets, we have a whole back-end training program where we will teach you everything you need to know about managing your short-term rental remotely. Everything from setting up your Airbnb and VRBO listings to teaching you how to use all the property management software that you'll need, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners and handymen. And we have some awesome Facebook support communities that we want you guys to be a part of where we all share ideas and information about managing our short-term rental, which short-term rentals, which markets are the best, uh, what we're doing next, and all of that really fun stuff. So if you wanna be a part of the short-term shop community, if you wanna buy a house with us, we really wanna help you guys. So head on over to the shorttermshop.com and click schedule a consultation. We'll see you there. Hey guys, welcome back to the Short Term Show. Today I have Kenny Bedwell, a real estate investor and CEO and founder of a new data company, which is really exciting, around uh, short-term rentals called STR Insights. Kenny, how's it going? It's going well. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for coming. I'm really excited uh, about everything going on with you. And I'm sure everyone else is going to be as well uh, after this show airs. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Kenny. Um, I live in uh, Buffalo, New York. Um, I'm actually from Georgia, even though I don't have the accent any longer. Um, but uh, I uh, live up in Buffalo and and uh, enjoy the, the snow, I guess you could say. And um, uh, I have a young daughter and, and I'm also um, a short-term real estate investor and uh, kind of a data junkie. Awesome. Awesome. So what is in your portfolio currently? Sure. So right now um, in my portfolio, I have two properties um, in Buffalo and around Niagara Falls. Um, I also co-host several properties in the area as well, and I'm closing this week, <laughs> pending any issues, uh, on a property in the Finger Lakes of New York in Watkins Glen, if anybody knows where that is. That's really interesting. We haven't had many people on who own a lot in the Northeast. So tell me a little bit about those markets and why you chose them. Well, I think as a beginner, so I, I started about three years ago. Um, and as a beginner, I obviously wanted to invest in somewhere familiar. And I did it. It worked out. Uh, the prices were cheap in this area. 
Um, we've got, obviously we have, uh, I think over 2 million people come and see Niagara Falls every single year. It's kind of a, it's a drive-in destination. Um, and uh, it does really well. And then we also have the actual city of Buffalo about 20 minutes away. Um, so I, I got started there and then, um, but my problem though, and this is where the software I developed came from is it's like, okay, great. I want to expand. I don't just want to invest in Buffalo or Niagara Falls. Where should I be looking? I'm not familiar with any markets besides what people are saying on Facebook, but as a new investor, how can I afford those markets that, you know, like the Gatlinburg, the Pigeon Ford, the Blue Ridge, Gulf Shores, Destin, those kind of markets, where can I, what are the, some good performing markets that I can afford? Um, and so I created a software that kind of looks at the entire United States and compares the markets together based on not just revenue and their performance, but their actual prices of vacation rentals. So even though I'm still like, I invested in the Finger Lakes, um, I use the software to find areas that were, you know, three, four hours away from me to actually invest in. And that's how I found the one town in the Finger Lakes I got my lake house in. So you chose that town based on the software that you built and ran it and found this town and that's why you chose it. Yeah, long story short, yes. I um, I put in my personal preferences. So the, the software is all about, it's an investor friendly tool. So when I say put in my personal preferences, I put in my budget. I put in, I wanna invest in, uh, we, we also look at destination types. So like mountain properties, lake properties, beach properties, uh, river, ski, near national park, state park. There's, there's a lot of different destination types. I put in those personal preferences and it tells me what markets fit those preferences. And so, um, and, and the market I actually am invested in, it was only, it was like number two or three on my list. It wasn't even the number one. Um, but it's kind of like, once you find those markets, now you need to look in those markets to see what's available. And what worked out was like the number three market for me. And I found an incredible deal. All right. So let's start at the beginning of this software, because that's pretty amazing. Because do you have a background in software development? You must, because I would, I mean, if I were to go build something and then choose a, a random market off of it, it, it wouldn't probably work out that way. So I'm assuming <laughs> that you have a background in that. Um, I not necessarily software development, but like data analytics. So I worked for a, a fortune 500 company, um, as a data research analyst and compiled big data, um, and helps, uh, basically analyze it, um, and focus on, uh, we, we focus mainly on the equities markets and following big companies, but it was mainly, uh, using, you know, we're, we're looking at millions of records of data points and analyzing them. And so that's kind of my specialty. And, and I've always used those skills in real estate. Um, and so I actually developed this for myself. And then some of my friends, investor friends were like, hey, can we use it too? And I was like, <laughs> sure. And then they're like, you need to sell this because this is really useful. All right. So let's start at the beginning then. So how, how does this work? If I'm a new investor and I want to go use this tool to figure out where on earth I should invest, where do I start? So right now our tool um, is a dashboard. So there are what I call essentially two uh, data sets or two dashboards or two ways to look at it, however you want to call it. 
there's a market or city dashboard and then a bedroom count dashboard. So in your example, as a new investor, what you would do is you'd go first to the market dashboard and where you would want to compare the different markets together. So you would put in your per personal preferences, such as which region or state or cities, if you even know what cities you want to, you're potentially interested in or markets, put those in. Um, even market size, that's important. Do you want a market that has, you know, 5,000 rentals in it? Or, you know, are you comfortable being in a really small market that has less than 100 active rentals? Um, obviously, your budget, um, maybe you have some revenue goals. We also, And then obviously, the big one is the destination type. So if you're a newbie and you're wanting to invest in a vacation rental market, does do you prefer to be on the beach? Do you want to compare beach markets, mountain markets, ski river? Maybe you have you want to compare beach and mountain. It's kind of up to you. And that's the really the cool part about the tools. It's flexible in that sense. And you can play around with it. And then once you do that, it tells you, hey, here are the top grossing markets. And you can compare them across your preferences. Then you pick out, say, two or three, and you go into the bedroom dashboard and you actually dive through and you can see the optimal bedroom count in each market. So you know, one, what you can afford in those markets, and two, what's the optimal bedroom count that I should be targeting in those markets? Because it's not all the same. Bigger isn't always better, and it fluctuates from market to market. And so that's where we're really trying to target the best, you know, grossing deals. And then once you do that, now you have an idea, you have a better picture of one, the new markets you may have never heard of before, and then two, how those markets are performing. Okay, so there is a lot of really cool stuff to unpack here. So if I'm thinking like, okay, you know, I think I don't really know where I want to invest, but I think I want to be in the Southeast. And you can choose whether you want to be in like a metro market or like an actual vacation market, you can, there's a, a setting there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's a city uh, setting. So if it has more than a hundred thousand people in it, uh, that particular market, say like, you know, if you're talking the Southeast, so like Nashville, Atlanta, um, any big city in the Southeast in Florida, anywhere like that, you can click that indicator as, you know, yes, show me cities in the Southeast or, show me traditional vacation markets like beach markets or mountain or, or whatever you prefer. That's pretty cool. And then from there, you can also filter out by how many active rentals there are in the market. So if you want to be in a market that doesn't really have any and be like one of a hundred rentals in instead of one of 10,000 rentals, you can find that market then. Correct. Correct. I do. I do. Uh, Put a caveat with that in a sense that, that that is true. But, you know, as a as a warning, you know, if you go into a market that has less than 100 active rentals, what we call a small market, that's what we define as a small market. Um, you got to be mindful of the resources available. So cleaners, maintenance guys, you know, people that basically help you out. Um, most markets that you think are small are what we call medium. So more than 100 active listings, believe it or not. There, there's a ton of small markets, don't get me wrong, but they're literally like in the middle of nowhere. So mm -hmm. um, just, you know, resources are a thing to consider. But um, but yeah, so I mean, yeah, you could just search by small markets to kind of see, you know, I want to be the, the one and only in this area. Can I do it? 
Yeah. And I mean, I don't know why anyone would ever actually want to be that just because of what you just said, because there's probably not a lot of cleaners, not a lot of handymen, not a lot of people who are used to dealing with door code culture, we call it. Uh, so, um, but that's interesting that you could, if you wanted. <laughs> and right. all right. So this all, this tool also compares current purchase prices of the properties in these markets, right? Yes, it's more of like the valuations of the properties of, and, and let me be clear here, it's not just any property, it's vacation rentals, because we're actually pulling data or the valuations of, of active vacation rentals. Um, the purchase price thing is a little bit tricky for like example, I'm sure you know, in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, properties are going, you know, well over 100,000 asking. And so we can't track that, but we can track what the current value of actual vacation rentals are in each market. Okay. So if you, and that that's actually a really important point that I want to pull out. So there are, in every market, there are properties that will make good vacation rentals and properties that will not make good vacation rentals. And I always use the, the phrase brick ranch home uh, for my true vacation markets, like in Destin or in the Smokies, uh, just a regular old brick, brick ranch home is probably not really going to work for to be a vacation rental because in Destin, you know, people want the beach houses and the beach condos that are like beachy looking. And then in the Smokies, people want the cabin experience. So because of that, the brick ranch homes in those markets are significantly cheaper than the ones that are more desirable vacation rentals because more people want, more investors want to buy an offer on the ones that look like vacation rentals. So you're telling me that you can filter that out too? Uh, not yet. <laughs> that would be <laughs> okay. nice. Um, okay. Yeah. So what I, yeah, I look at those, I call those kind of like tier two or tier three properties. Okay. So the one, the properties we're targeting or we're pulling our data from in terms of the valuations are going to be your turnkey, your top properties. And I mean, I'm going to let you in on a secret. This is how we're we're essentially getting the data. We're going in and we're pulling all of the top properties and then we're getting their addresses. And then we're taking those addresses and we're pulling their valuations. And okay. so that's what we're displaying so that people can see, okay, because when you, when you go look at a top, a new market, for example, you don't care about the, the 50th or the 75th percentile or any of these other things, or the, like you said, the brick homes, you want to see what the top dogs are doing. What, why are their homes special? What do they look like and compare off that? And then once you dive into the bedroom counts and then you, you know, go on Zillow or you, you start looking at these properties and call a realtor, you can then start to dive in deeper and do some own research to figure out kind of like some sub markets in there that might work as well. Um, but we're kind of giving you that launching pad to exposing you to a new market to give you that confidence to go in there and be able to invest. Okay. Wow. This is really, really, really cool. <laughs> so I know we've already gone over a lot of this stuff, but I know a lot of people listening are asking the question, okay, how is this different from AirDNA? Well, we've already gone over a few ways that it's different, but what are the main ways? Like, why did you not just use AirDNA? Why did you, or any of the other tools that are out there, why did you go create your own? Sure. That, that's a great question. I mean, it, it comes down to like, I, I don't know, this is like a stupid phrase I use, but you only know what you know. You know, like for me, I only knew the Buffalo and Niagara Falls markets. I had no idea about markets away from me. And the issues I had with current data providers is 
sure, you can get access to the entire country, but you have to search by each market. You have to search by individual addresses. They don't just tell you, hey, these are the top performing markets and this is why they're the top performing markets. Also, there was no way to like filter on my preferences, mainly my budget, because I was budget conscious at the time. So, you know, what markets can I actually afford? Um, you know, I would use the list. I, I know a lot of the data providers shoot out those, you know, top 20 or top 10 lists or whatever top markets in the US each year. But uh, one problem is, you know, I one, it's like, I don't, you know, like, for example, one that came up is Cherry Log, Georgia. And that's a popular one that I see in these lists. And um, I'm like, great. I just see Cherry Log, Georgia, and they might tell me some numbers behind it. But where is Cherry Log, Georgia? Why are people going to Cherry Log, Georgia? Um, and if you're not familiar with that market, I mean, it's near Blue Ridge. But if you don't know, you're not going to want to get you're not going to have the confidence to go and invest in that. And so this tool looks at the entire United States. It gives you access to all of the markets across the United States and the ability to compare the markets one to, you know, one-on-one -on -one essentially. That is a, that's a huge hole in the data that we, that has been available up until now is being able to compare markets like that in that way. And also with the valuation. So that's really cool. And you're right. The, the list that I've seen sometimes, like I've saw one that has, and I, I need to stop talking about Starkville, Mississippi on this because that's where I'm from. And uh, I feel like I say it every single uh, podcast and people are like, all right, we know. Thanks. But I saw a list recently and it's like Starkville, Mississippi is one of the top vacation rental places. And no, it's not. It's not like I'm there all the time. There nobody's coming there for vacation. So I don't know where this data came from or or why it's pulling. My guess is that whatever data they're using, maybe they're using like uh, vacation home loan data, which I can see how maybe that would pull that way because it's a really small town of like 20,000 people, but there's like 40,000 students, a lot of whose parents buy them houses to live in while they're there. So those might be vacation home loans. That's really the only reason I can think of because they're certainly not not vacationers. <laughs> what a lot of these data providers are doing is they're taking free valuation data from like Zillow or Trulia or Realtor.com. And they're pulling the average cost of acquisition or average price, essentially sales price of these cities or these markets. So if you think of like, for example, I see this all the time. I see Gulf Shores and it says the average cost to buy a place in Gulf Shores is like 400,000 and the average revenue is like, you know, 60,000 or something like that. Where are you finding a house, a vacation rental in Gulf Shores for $400,000? You're not right. finding that. That's not going to happen. So that that's that's just not right. Um, and I think that's a similar case in Starkville, Mississippi. I mean, what, what are the housing prices like? Are they really expensive or are they really cheap? You know, they're more expensive than you would think, but for in the grand scheme of things, they're pretty cheap. Right. So, I, I mean, just, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know that market. I'm not familiar with it, but like typically you would think a lot of these places are probably cheaper and they're just taking the average of the entire market um, of just all homes, including residential homes. And that skews the information and skews the data. And so I'm assuming the current actual vacation rentals in Starkville are going to be a lot nicer. They're going to be a lot pricier. 
and they're probably not pulling, you know, the, uh, you know, they're not going to be pulling huge numbers. So, um, and, and that's, uh, essentially misleading. Yeah. Well, so how do you get around that data skew then? Because I know some investors will say, like, I've seen it a lot about, uh, some other markets recently that are also in Mississippi that are terrible and everybody's all excited about them. And I'm like, y'all, that place is nasty. Um, and how do you get around that data skew where they're pulling the numbers from just the market as a whole and it looks super cheap and like the numbers make a lot of sense. But if you were to actually buy one, it really wouldn't. Like what's the secret sauce there? Yeah. So I think you're talking about Gulfport, maybe Biloxi. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. I, yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, I totally understand that. Um, it's a preference thing. So once again, I think that the numbers in Gulfport uh, do make sense. And I, and I tell people this, but I've seen the water, you know, I've seen the beaches, <laughs> you know, you can't even buy a house on the beach. It's across the street from the, you know, kind of thing. And so, but right there, I have to understand my emotional preferences when investing. Um, one thing I tell new real estate investors is that, uh, or vacation real estate investors is that vacation real estate investing is emotional and a logical decision. We have to understand our personal preferences, meaning like, do I want to invest in the dirty waters of Mississippi simply for the ROI? Or do I actually want to invest in places that are more meaningful to me? Like, you know, the Destins or the Panama City beaches with that pretty, you know, white sand and the, the emerald water. Um, we have to define that and then we can search our markets. And so that's the whole point of STR Insights is to allow you to basically take those preferences emotional preferences into the calculation as well. Boom, mic drop. Let's end the call. No, so, okay. I, I have so many questions, um, but we only have so much time. Uh, so when you're looking at your data, I know one of the biggest questions that I get from investors when they're looking at other data sources is like, oh, do these numbers include cleaning fees? Do these numbers include taxes? So when you're looking at your numbers on STR Insights, what is included in all of that? Yeah, so we are uh, including the cleaning fees, um, but because we're you know we're we're pulling data from each individual property, um, the taxes uh, that I have to check on that one. That's a that's a good point. I don't think we are, but we could. Um, I'll I'll see what what we are what we do have available for that. But that is a good question. Okay, and so you're including cleaning fees as like in your gross revenue numbers, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I think that's the way to do it. Like you kind of have to, because if, especially if most people are charging the guests a higher cleaning fee than what the cleaners are charging them, there is income in cleaning fees. And I see less argument about that more now, but like two or three years ago, everybody was always arguing gross shouldn't include cleaning fees. Gross should include cleaning fees. Yeah, it does. Gross means all money is coming in. That's what gross means. It means gross. So I totally agree. I'm on the same page with you. You got to have the cleaning fees in there in your gross numbers for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you've probably been, I mean, you're probably playing around with it a lot in, you know, getting this thing launched. And I've, I'm really excited to to mess around with it myself. Have you found any like sleeper markets like that you want to let us in on any secret markets that might be the next big thing data wise? 
That is a good question. Um, okay, so I I get I, I get asked that a lot. Um, <laughs> so I always ask a, a follow up question with that because um, people have mixed emotions when I tell them answers, just logical answers. Remember, it's emotional and logical. And what I mean by that is, if I tell you, um, you know, some of the top markets in the U.S. as of today are in you know, say the Midwest, like Wisconsin or Michigan, a lot of people don't get excited about that, including myself. And so, you know, I guess my question for you and maybe for your listeners or your, your essentially your tribe is, you know, what's their preferences? What kind of areas are they mainly focused in the South? Like what kind of, um, you know, I, I, I guess I'll, a little bit more of a follow-up for that I, I'm looking for is, you know, um, you know, what type of markets are they looking for? And then I can provide a better answer for them. Okay. Let's say they're looking for like the regional drivable vacation markets, not Metro markets, just them, they being myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I, uh, just so everybody knows, and I guess to put a plug in for myself, I post some articles weekly about different markets to look at across the U S um, but I think Avery, you kind of already know about the Galveston beach market. Um, mm -hmm. but it's probably the number two beach market in the U S and it's not just Galveston. It goes from port Boulevard all the way down to like Freeport, uh, and Surfside area. That whole strip there does really well. Crystal beach where I'm actually seeing deals that are like 20% gross ROI, just looking at the purchase price and knowing the revenue numbers on a fairly weekly basis, like multiple deals. Um, so that's one market that if you already don't know about it, that's um, definitely look into it. Um, another market for people who are more into like the, you know, the cabins and the mountain feel. Um, and once again, I think a lot of people know this already and it's starting to heat up uh, significantly is Western North Carolina. Um, you've got Banner Elk, which is nicer, a little bit pricier. Um, but then you have uh, west of Asheville area. So we're talking Canton, Waynesville, uh, Bryson City, Cherokee, that area. So just east of the Smoky Mountains there in Maggie Valley. So that one, that market is definitely heating up. It's also a little more affordable as well. And we happen to have short-term shop agents in all of those markets he just mentioned in Galveston and Crystal Beach and Western North Carolina, just so y'all know. Um, and I didn't know that. So there, I do, I knew the, <laughs> I knew the, uh, yeah, the Galveston market. Well, I didn't know the Western North Carolina. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> we do. So you said that Galveston and Crystal Beach were the number two beach markets. What's the number one? So this is going off numbers and um, I could go in a little bit more detail too, uh, but um Love it or hate it, it's it's Gulfport, Mississippi. Gross. Well, okay, so go into more details. Like, that's what we have you here for. So let's hear them. Okay, so this is maybe more on the side. So in the number number sense, it it just makes, I mean, you're you're talking like you can get three or four bedrooms. I'm seeing four, um, or sorry, four or five bedrooms for 500, even 600, or 600, even $500,000 or less beachfront you know, there's a street, you can't, there's no properties, quote unquote, on the beach, but you know, like mm. right there by the beach. Um, and they'll do uh, 100,000, 120,000 even. So 
I mean, awesome. that's yeah. And and you want to get a nicer property. You don't want to just get some like dump. Um, but they're <laughs> building. They are building new properties there. Um, and also, uh, for your listeners, I mean, I don't know how much time we have, but Gulfport, sure. Mississippi, is part the beach of Gulfport, and I will say Texas too is part of uh, an opportunity zone. Okay, well, that's good to know for investors then, for sure. Yeah, so um, for your listeners who don't know what an opportunity zone is, it's not something I coined or anything, but it's by the federal government, and it's uh, zones where the government has deemed, um, the federal government has deemed, uh, or basically they're incentivizing investors to go and invest in that market. Um, and if you put the money and you purchase the property in an opportunity zone fund, it's tax-free, including the income. So when you take that into account, now your ROI can significantly increase. Your cash on cash returns, I should say, significantly increase. Um, and Gulfport, Mississippi, the beach, the beach is part of an opportunity zone and a lot of Texas. Not Galveston, um, but Port Boulevard. And I think uh, Port Aransas is as well. And there's a map. You can go online and see the map. And it's, uh, it's really interesting. Um, Broken Bow is also in an opportunity zone. So, which yes, is it is. Yes, it is. So anyway, do you think that goal and maybe you don't know this um, because you are not like a county or state official, but do you think that the beaches in Gulfport are maybe part of an opportunity zone because of a lot of it got wiped down Katrina and they're trying to get that back where it needs to be? That's a fair point. I mean, the opportunity zones were created in uh, 20, was it 2016? So um, that, or I guess they were, that was when the bill was passed or whatever. So um, that, that could be, um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I just think it's interesting. Um, and I think that the more experience and why I say more experienced investors is because in order to get the true value of the, the tax benefits of the opportunity zone, you have to leave it in the fund for 10 years. So if you're, you, if you're okay with not pulling out your, your uh, revenue, essentially, if you're not living off the revenue, then the opportunity zone might be something to look into. Um, but it's definitely not for newbies. Um, and right. so anyway, but it's interesting though, look at a map and it's crazy to see all the markets that vacation rental markets that fit within opportunity zones, even parts of Surveyville. So, um, and other parts of, you know, the Southeast as well, not just the ghettos. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And y'all, when I hate on Gulfport, I'm not actually hating on Gulfport. If it makes money, it makes money. I just, um, growing up going there and then going over to Gulf Shores and then going over to Destin. It's just, it's just a joke. Um, maybe I'll buy something in Gulfport now since I've got the data man on the line telling me that it is the number one beach market in the country based on the numbers. I'll go buy one right now. I can be there in three hours. Go, I, go look. Seriously, <laughs> it, yeah, you're right. It is, it is. I've, yeah, I grew up in, uh, well, I grew up in Georgia. My family's from Southern Alabama. We know, you know, we knew all about Gulf Shores before everybody else did. And yeah, Gulfport, we're like, ew, it's nasty. We had family over there. And, um, but it, it just, the numbers work and people, they vacation there. Um, and I mean, there's casinos, there is stuff to do in the area. So I, I don't know, it's just the numbers and we're tracking the numbers each month. It's not something that, oh, this is based on last year. The revenue numbers we're showing are rolling 12 months. So we're keeping kind of up with it to, to stay. So, you know, as of today, where the best markets are. 
That's amazing. And I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I'm going to. So we talk a lot about the Southeastern markets on, on this show because a lot of people own there. The, they've been really, really hot lately. I personally, and I'm sure many other people who are listening, I my husband and I have been ranch shopping for a while now, mostly for personal reasons, but it would be cool. You know, as an investor, it hurts my brain to buy something that's not going to make money. That's like purely a toy. So I was, we're hoping we could find something that has something, some sort of building on it that could be rented, you know, even to just put a dent in some things, not necessarily to cash flow. What Western markets have you seen, if any? And again, I didn't prepare you for that question. So if you don't know, just let me know. Uh, what Western mountain markets have you seen that look, look pretty good numbers wise? That is a, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, unfortunately, so I have always loved Idaho. Um, and I mean, Montana is a beautiful market, but Idaho in terms of like the Tetons where you've got Victor and Dregs and even Island Park. Um, but in the last year, the data, it's just gotten so expensive and competitive. Mm -hmm. um, but that's pro that's the best market. Those are the best three markets. So Victor and Dregs, which are on the opposite side of Jackson, uh, right there by the Tetons, there's a ski resort there. And then Island Park, which is on the way to uh, Yellowstone, um, big, beautiful cabin area. Um, yeah, right near West Yellowstone. In, but this is an Idaho side. So uh, those areas are the best three markets in Idaho. They're even better than the markets in Montana. But you're going to sacrifice some ROI just to be there just because of the prices. Right. Um, but yeah, th that's kind of the best three um, mountain besides if you want to take a look in California, that's a different <laughs> topic. So if you like California, you got to go near the national parks. That's kind of the answer for California. Gotcha. I Last year we were in Jackson and we had a free afternoon and we were in the our motorhome. We, had my, we were towing my Jeep and I said, you know, we have a free afternoon and I've been reading about Victor and Driggs and they're just right over, right over there. Let's just go look. And I thought I'll, I'll drive Luke. My husband has height issues. And so I thought I'll drive, you know, I'm used to driving all over the Smoky Mountains. I know how to do mountain roads in the Jeep. I'm good. And the road going over Teton Pass from Jackson to Victor or Driggs, I can't remember which which town comes first, is the most, I don't even have height problems. I kind of like them the most terrified I've ever been in my life. I was thinking, why did I do this? I have my two babies in the back. What are you thinking? Why did you want to come over and look at this stupid town? Anyway, Luke is in the passenger seat flipping out. And I'm like, this is the worst decision I have ever made was to do this this afternoon. But once we got over there, it was really cool. Uh, but in a car full of little children and going from the the Appalachian Mountains to the Rocky Mountains, or sorry, Tetons, I guess, um, driving over passes that was not, I, I did not prepare myself properly for that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. And I was like, I always, always thought about, I was like, it'd be pretty tough in an RV going across this. So I, I feel you. Did you have to drive back? Yep. We were just in the Jeep. We took unhooked okay, the Jeep gotcha. on the RV. They, oh my God, that would have been a melt down if it had been <laughs> the actual RV. Luke, right. I, I can't drive the RV. I That's by choice. That's on purpose so that I don't ever have to take a shift. Uh, but that would have been 
Like we, we would have gotten out and walked down with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, Kenny, if our listeners want to find your data, which I'm very sure every single one of them will, where are they going to find that? strinsights.com. That's it. All right. Any <laughs> place they can follow you on social media or anything like that? Oh boy. Uh, they can friend request me on Facebook. I need okay, to get so more just of go to the website. <laughs> yeah. Just go to gotcha. the website. All right. Yeah. All I, right. I'm sorry, guys. I'm lame on social media. I'm a nerd and I just do vacation rentals for fun. So yeah. That's all right. That's a good thing to be. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kenny, for coming on and we'll catch you later. All right. Thank you.